0: So are you ready for it? Well, welcome once again to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. Hello and welcome to Legendary Leaders, another week, another episode of the show. And uh, today I am... with a fantastic guy who just brings a completely different topic to the table, a different angle to leadership to the table. His name is Dr. Steve Yacovelli, and he's also known as the Gay Leadership Dude. I don't know about you, but when I came across him, I thought, oh, my God, I've never actually thought about how the gay community or if we want to have a broader approach, the LGBTQ plus community, leads and as to whether there are differences in their leadership style towards uh, my leadership style, for example, as a straight person. I'm highly focused on female leadership, and I've done a lot of research when it comes to female versus male leadership, but never really dived into any other styles of leadership. And despite the fact that I've worked in a lot of organizations where there was so much diversity And therefore, there's so much to learn from each other Are so many fantastic leadership traits that if we spoke more openly about them, we could really learn from each other and we can expand in our own leadership style. So therefore, it wasn't a question for me to bring Steve onto the show and have a chat with him about gay leadership. Steve himself, he spent 25 years studying and learning and teaching what it takes to be a great leader. From the high seas to the boardroom, from corporate educator to entrepreneur, his life's work is helping others harness and leverage their leadership abilities. And uh, he has gathered so many experiences himself. When I speak about the high seas, he has worked for Disney, for example, twice and brings his experience, his memories of failure as well into the game when thinking and researching about leadership. So now he's using that extensive knowledge to help members of the LGBTQ plus community become leaders in the workplace and beyond. And what he's going to share is that he's not just helping them, but he wants to raise far more awareness across the board, really. It doesn't matter as to whether you're a woman, a man, gay, straight, different color. It, it absolutely doesn't matter. He wants to raise awareness of the different leadership styles we all have and how we can learn from each other, as I have just mentioned. So please do enjoy the show. There is a lot of sense of humor coming into the game as well, which I'm sure you're going to like. And let me know what you think at the end of the episode. Has it resonated with you what we spoke about? Do you have any questions about the topic? Is there anything you would challenge? I would love to hear from you. So do share your feedback on iTunes. I would love to hear from you. Or simply drop me an email as well. Enjoy the episode and speak to you in a moment. So hello and welcome, everybody. I am here today with Dr. Steve Jacovelli, aka the Gay Leadership Dude. I love this title. Hello.
1: (laughs) Hello, Kathleen. Wonderful to see you.
0: It's so lovely to see you too. And experience your energy again. So there there are so many reasons why I wanted to introduce (laughs) all of you lovely listeners to Steve today. A, he has written an amazing book, Pride Leadership, we are definitely going to talk about today. B, I have never really spoken on this podcast about leadership from an angle of the LGBTQ community or the gay community in general. And just to really dive into, okay, what makes your community? Because you are the gay leadership dude, of course. I um, am. <laughs> yes, very specific and very special when it comes to leadership, right? I'm, I'm super curious to hear more about it. And then, as I said. Steve has an amazing energy. And I think you all need to experience this energy um, from himself and really get to know him as a leader as well. So let's kick it off. What I always love to do is actually to introduce you properly to the audience. And you have a great story to tell. You have a corporate background, but you are a man, a human being, a gay dude um, (laughs) in this world. And it would be fantastic just to hear more about your journey, how you came to do what you do right Mm -hmm. now.
1: Yeah. So thank you for that. I've I've been in kind of the, the leadership Change management and diversity inclusion space. Pretty much my whole career. So it's been five years. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. It's been 25 <laughs> plus. Uh, but uh, uh, but you know, I was internal with a lot of organizations. I was I was fortunate enough to to work for the Walt Disney Company. I worked for Disney Cruise Line for several years. I was an IBMer for several years as an external consultant. Mm-hmm. I played around in academia for like a hot minute after I got my doctorate. You know, and then I moved on to to start my own consulting practice. But there was a lot of continuity in, in all the different roles that I had. And there was the thread of effective leadership, change management, and, and being inclusive. And so almost 13 years ago, I decided, well, let me see if I can make a go of this as my own career path. I mean, as you said, I, I identify as a dude. Uh, I also am gay. <laughs> and I didn't think back in you know, when I first understood my authentic self at 24-ish, that eventually I would you know, go by the gay leadership dude trademark on that for the U S folks. Uh, So, um, but it's been great. And it's been really been an opportunity for me to not just, kind of share the, the story of you know, my queerness through the lens of leadership, but also to, you know, because I, 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 for those who aren't watching, uh, I'm a white cisgender dude, male. And so, you know, to first look at me, you would not know I'm from a minority group. And then so that's one of the challenges of being in the queer community is you're, you're, you opt to share your authentic self with those around you. So clearly by being the gaylish dude it's pretty darn obvious that I'm a member of the, the LGBTQ family, but it's really been a, a great opportunity to kind of help explore that with people and help them, whoever they are, be more consciously inclusive with those around them.
0: Mm, I'm loving this, and I'm loving a lot of what you have said here. And, and let's follow up on a few of the points you've just made in a second. First of all, you mentioned that you kind of embraced your authentic self at the age of 24. What yep. happened in the run-up to, yes, the, the the 24 years, basically, or being at the age of 24?
1: Well, it was one of those things, you know, we we all understand our authenticity at different times and and based upon your development and such. So, you know, I I mean, I was at university, 20, 20 something. If you're familiar with the Kinsey scale, you know, uh, homosexuality is not just a this or that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. heterosexual, you know, there's a, you know, a Kinsey scale continuum. So uh, to not get into too much detail, you know, I was, didn't know, what I didn't know. And then suddenly, um, for me, I actually took that, I actually fell in love with a boy. And that's how I'm like, wait a minute, that's why my girlfriends didn't work out. And that's why (laughs) my fiance and I broke up. And it had nothing to do with them was completely about me and and understanding Mm -hmm. my own unconscious, kind of flipping into that, that consciousness. And so once I kind of figured that all out, then it was my journey to be like, oh, now it's, and and for, for those who aren't part of the queer community, uh, depending on, of course, the, a lot of the variables, this is a big gross generalization, but you, you tend to have two adolescences and the first one stunk anyway, but you know, if, you, if you're not lucky enough to, you know, like I admire some of these younger folks who are like, hey, I'm in high school and I realize that I'm a lesbian. And it's like, wow, that's fantastic that mm-hmm. you know that now where those of us who didn't figure that out, you know, you mm-hmm. have to kind of start all over again with that adolescence thing, which is just not fun, but you know, it's part of the process.
0: Yeah. And I, I was thinking about it when listening to your book, what is the journey of finding your real self?
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: and I reflected on how I identified with who I really was. So I'm, I'm a straight woman. Yeah. I'm into men and so on and so forth. Me too. <laughs> yes, we have something clearly in common. Exactly. <laughs> so, that has never been a question for me, but I have asked myself loads of other questions when it came to authenticity in terms of I don't feel like comfortable in my own skin. Oh. I constantly feel I need to play a role, all of these things. And only in my early 30s, I realized who I really was and to feel more comfortable with myself mm. and so on and so forth. And that's when the magic happened. Yep. in my career, in my social life, and so on. So I was wondering, where was the difference between being your true, authentic self in the LGBTQ community
1: mm-hmm.
0: and in the straight community? And particularly when we talk about leadership, what, is, what are the challenges you go through in comparison to what I have basically described? And how does that shape us?
1: I mean, it, authenticity is not just a queer thing, <laughs> as you said, I mean, and beautifully said, it's, you know, we all have to figure out our own skin and, and are the actions and the words and and what we're doing in line with our, our true core to our being person, or is it the influence of, you know, society and and, and all those other external things happening? And, and I think everybody listening can take a pause and, and say, oh, yep, I'm good. So that's awesome. And if not, then how do you get to that authentic core in the day-to-day actions? And and it's not just me preaching this as far as a leadership perspective. I mean, the Brene Browns of the world, I mean, there's a lot of folks out there yeah. uh, talking about authenticity as one of many ways to be a more effective leader. And I think you know, for me as a gay man, you know, I, I have to make that choice Every time I'm interacting with, say, a client or um, I'm teaching a a workshop or doing a virtual keynote or whatever, now, again, with the title is The Gay Leadership Dude, it's pretty obvious that my my deal and, you know, my husband and all that fun stuff. But if that's not part of the case, because, you know, Top Dog Learning Group is my business, my overarching business, and, you know, we work with Fortune 500s, and we go in and do multi-day training sessions, and now we do virtual, of course, and, you know, from that point, it's not obvious that you know I I'm a homosexual, as they'll say in clinical terms. So I have to make that choice to to share my authentic self with those in my workshops and my clients and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And so that's that's something that my straight brothers and sisters don't have to do because it's assumed. And so that that's one of the challenging things. That's, and I always will. Uh, matter of fact, when I do my workshops, you know, there's always that introductory thing, get to know you, you know, and it's usually like you know, who are you, uh, what do you do, and what do you like, something basic like that. And I'll always, you know, throw in, and it's very purposive, but I'll always throw in things like, you know, what do I like? Oh, well, I like my dogs. I like, you know, to, to be athletic and be outdoors. I live in Florida in the States here and, you know, it's great to be outdoors. And I say, oh, I guess I should say I like my husband because we've been together for 23 years and okay, great. Next, who's, who's next? And I just drop it down at, and and it's not being unauthentic. I mean, it's, it's the truth. I like my husband. I mean, it has been 20, 23 years, <laughs> I um, yeah, yeah, right? But I'm automatically sharing who I am. And because that's part of authenticity. That's how you build trust with people is you let them in on who you are. And uh, if, if I were to boil down the keys to leadership, regardless of what it ever, ever it is, I could have turned my 356 page book into mm. one page with one word, and that's trust. Mm. And as a leader, if you're building and fostering trust, your goal. I want to
0: kind of focus on that a little bit more. Yeah, Because trust can be difficult to build. Some people just build connections easily and therefore build trust easily and so on. And others really struggle with it and trust can be broken so easily as well. I'm sure I don't have to tell you, (laughs) given all your experience. So how do you build trust? And second question to that, do you see a difference in how, I call it just to simplify the gay community, builds trust in comparison to the heterosexual community.
1: So I'll answer part two first. I don't think there's a difference. I think all all of us humans can do it. Uh, There might be different strategies and different connectivities, but I think you can find that with any of us other groups, and, and it could be, you know, uh, my female colleagues kind of bonding together as women or my uh, colleagues of color who might have, you know, that that connection, it, it all goes down to rapport. Mm-hmm. And so I think as as a queer person, to use the general term, you know, if I'm in a workshop or I'm doing something and, you know, you can kind of, you, you, I might be able to figure out, you know, with the gaydar and all that stuff, mm-hmm. like somebody else is, is part of my tribe, you know, it's kind of like that wink, hey, I got your back, you got mine, cool. And if you actually look at the psychology, that goes back to a safety mechanism for us as humans. Uh, when we find, uh, you know, like, likes, like is the phrase. When we find that there is that some consciousness that's like, ooh, this is part of my tribe. That means there's safety in numbers. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the thing. And so you, you, we're always seeking that out, whatever that looks like, but that does go far to build rapport. And, mm-hmm. and the first part is, you know, for some people it's a natural gift, whether you're more extroverted or you have the, the gift of gab or, or, or whatever it is, some people just have that natural ability, but mm-hmm. For those who don't, you can work at it. I mean, it's just like any other leadership or any other skill. And it might take, you know, people always say, oh, I hate small talk. But you know what? Small talk's a pretty darn cool way to start to build connections with people. And I know for me, sometimes I'll throw the Disney card out because that resonates with everybody in the world. It's ridiculous. And and I, I teach globally. And, you know, if I, I throw out that, oh, yeah, I worked for Disney for several years. Ooh, and people just freak out. And now I have a connection with that. It's not unauthentic. I mean, that that's a huge influence of my experience. I have so many... Great, great friends who still are technically they're a client of mine still. You know, it's 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 a great way to build rapport with people. Absolutely. So finding that topic, whether it be dogs or or kids or or geography or weather or pandemics or whatever way you can connect with people, that's a great strategy for leadership because it ultimately builds trust.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. And and one piece I would add to it is intuition. You speak about that quite a bit in your in your book as well. Intuition and really listening to your intuition is really important as well. What I notice is. I take longer or struggle to build trust if my intuition says something is kind of off here.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Important to listen to that as well.
1: And I would hypothesize quite strongly that women have have so much more in tune with that that intuition, that gut feeling than men do. General term, I know I'm saying that, but I, I mean, just in my experience, the women in my life have such power there if they tap into it.
0: Yeah, so here's the question, and I implied to that um, when we spoke the first time, (laughs) I said to you, I focus on supporting um, female leaders, right? So I have uh, focused a lot on the leadership competencies of women, and I saw quite a few uh, similarities to the competencies we are going to talk about uh, in this recording. And, And I wonder as to whether women, female leaders, and gay leaders are quite
1: similar when it comes to intuition. What is it you have been observing there? I, I think there, there is some commonality, and now I'm just extroverting based upon some of the research <laughs> I've done, but um, there's so much push in larger society, I'd say maybe Western society, but I think it, it permeates beyond, about you know the machismo, me, man, me, no, uh, emotions, ugh, ugh. And so uh, some of that probably comes into play from an external force for, for some male leaders. And for obviously women, it's, 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 there's that, that different norm, sometimes to the, the extent of stereotyping. But I think for queer leaders, there's a lot of flexibility on, on, on us. And I think as a gay man, I have had, if you will say permission to explore emotional intelligence and my emotions differently than maybe my straight counterparts did. For right or for wrong, I think it just is. And I've always been in that, uh, attuned with the emotions and, and empathy. And, and I think some of that is just in nature of who I am. Some of that is the opportunity that society allows me to do. Mm. So I think that is a, a, a kind of commonality, if you will, between, um, to be in general, uh, queer leaders as well as as female leaders with that power to explore those emotions and empathy and such.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned before in that you work with Fortune 500 organizations, you support them. Can you highlight a bit more how you support them? What's your big why, basically? Yeah, here we go. <laughs> you know, I
1: kind of think of Top Dog. Our little doghouse sits in those three areas that I mentioned before, you know, playing around with leadership and organizational development. Uh, diversity, inclusion, belonging, and then change management and being resilient in times of change. And what we do in in one, or or typically it's all three of those areas, we do things like uh, one-on-one coachings, group coachings, formal training, whether that be face-to-face or virtual. My doctorate's in in instructional technology and distance education. So the world of Zoom and this this COVID distance stuff, I've been doing that for a while. Matter of fact, to people's detriment, my first book was called Overcoming Poopy E-Learning because there's a lot of poopy e-learning out there. So, you know, that's kind of one of my, my areas of focus. I kind of you know, bounce back and forth between diversity stuff and leadership and, and you know, the, the e-learning thing. But we've embraced that, of course, uh, in, in these current times. And um, we do kind of straight up consulting, too. Like, we might have a client who says, um, I was talking with a client last night, we want to be more inclusive. We just don't know how and this particular organization is very male dominated, very mm. white male dominated, mm-hmm. but you know, they know they have a problem, fantastic. Mm-hmm. So of course they bring in a white dude, but that's okay because I'm a gay white dude. So there's at least mm-hmm. that facet of diversity. And, and so just having those explorations and conversations is, is one of the other things that we do with clients as well.
0: Gosh, uh, and that's something I experience so frequently. Yeah, inclusion is a massive topic. We, we definitely need to raise more awareness, but we actually have no idea what it means. where to start, and how to create real commitment and buy in across the entire organization for it. And there's so much support needed. And in particular, so much support in terms of listening, really helping them understand first and really kind of making this topic tangible, almost right? Yeah. So belonging is such an important theme that you just had on your slide there as well. How can you help other people really belong and understand what that really means?
1: Yeah. And that's, that's what I love about, you know, the diversity and inclusion space. Uh, it, it, we're dropping that stuff and we're really moving more toward, you know, how do we foster a sense of belonging for mm-hmm. our employees, our workers our whomever. And yeah. that's actually the phrase I, I more use. Matter um, of fact, last night, one of the, the conversations with this particular client was, do we need a chief diversity officer? I said, no, you need a chief belonging officer. It was like, boom, they were so excited. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, like I said, but this is the start of their conversation. But, you know, I, you know, I, I truly, with my heart of hearts, believe that if you are fostering uh, a sense of belonging for your employees, your coworkers, whomever, you know, that means people want to stay there. That means they feel that they're valued and they're going to give hundred percent of themselves and engage with the workplace versus those who are like, Wow, I mean, you know, I'm a person of color and I don't see any other people of color at that C-sweep. What does that mean? I'm really not supposed to be here. And these are conversations people have either consciously or unconsciously. And smart leaders know this and start to work toward rectifying those.
0: Yeah. And and I think it's also important to kind of call out the elephant in the room as to whether it's it's the male white leaders or yep. the black leaders or or the gay leaders to simply sit together and to say, I feel uncomfortable. I overthink what I'm saying. How am I saying this as to whether I'm missing out on something? I think stepping on someone's toes is one of the biggest fears at the moment in people in general and organizations outside of organizations. It's so sensitive. Is that something you experience?
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and so when we talk about the the six competencies I selected for my book Pride Leadership, mm. it was very strategic. And and it's because these are the it started with these are the six that I just see leaders in general really need to to, to beef up to be more successful. Mm-hmm. But you know you just talked about courage, and, which is one of the six I talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so smart leaders who. You have to have that internal courage to maybe buck the system or to say, you know what, I'm not on board with what you just said, president of the company or chairman of the board, chairperson of the board. And and so I, I think that's one of the the opportunities that that any leader can face, whether they're they're, they're straight or gay, is things like having that courage, is like, you know, being authentic, which we talked about already, looking at how we engage empathy, another conversation point that we already had. Hey, guess what? These are the part of the six that I, I kind of come up with. And, and so I think it's um it's kind of appropriate that they are here and they're not in silos. And that's the other cool part about it. You know, I've created an eight-week training program that goes with the book and all that fun stuff. And I, every week I emphasize with my students of like, yeah, we're talking about courage this week, but it doesn't mean we're going to forget empathy or Mm -hmm. forget authenticity. They're so gorgeously intertwined, which is fun because you're developing one. So you're developing all of them, but it's really thinking about like how they all interact in order for me to be more successful leader.
0: Yeah. And let's dive into those in far more detail
1: before we do. So what was your big why or is still your big why behind the book? Thank you for asking that. It's so you know, I've been doing this for 25 years. I've worked with thousands and thousands of leaders over this time. And, and I I am at my core an academic nerd. And so, you know, kind of like qualitative research, I'm just kind of watching leaders, observing leaders, coaching leaders, and you start to see patterns of behavior. Mm -hmm. And so flash forward to, um, you know, I I wrote, wrote my dissertation, which was a horrible book experience. I did my, my overcoming poopy e-learning and I did self-publish that one. And that was, eh. Um, So, but like, my next book, I want to get like a real publisher and kind of go down the true path. As I was trying to figure out, okay, well, leadership, that's like a massive, massive conversation. Like, what can I do? Where do I want to focus? And so I had a friend of mine come over and we were sitting in my office. I bribed him with some some wine you know, just because thinking brainstorming is better with wine. Okay. And um, everything is better with wine. Of course. And uh, he does kind of what I do. He's in the you know, organizational development, change management stuff. So we're just like thinking on post-it notes, putting them all over my office, you know, like competencies we think are important. And then in you know, reflecting on Again, our experience, observations, things of that nature. Then we kind of grouped them into, well, you know, empathy and emotional intelligence. They're kind of close in the really in line. So we started yeah. like moving around and that's kind of how the, the six came out. And of course I had to have six because it's a rainbow and it fits really well with my marketing. But at that point, I had 26 competencies when I boiled it down. Yeah. And it was literally like a, like a, a few days later, I, I do a lot of uh, volunteer work with social justice, especially for the LGBTQ community. And you know, now, of course, leadership's on top of mine. So I'm, I'm watching all my my fellow leaders in this space. And then, um, do you remember Sex in the City? Of course. Of course, of course. And there's a new one coming out. Side note, really yeah, awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But uh, you know, my inner Carrie Bradshaw kicked in and it's like, I couldn't help but wonder. And I was like, I couldn't help but wonder, is there something about being gay general term that is making you or giving you at least an opportunity to exercise leadership skills differently than our straight mm. brothers and sisters. And that's kind of what that was the, the final point where I'm like, you know what, this is the book that doesn't exist. This is the lens that clearly I can speak through and also speak to and give a voice to. And, and so that's kind of how pride leadership was born.
0: And what does it mean to give a voice to your gay Brothers, basically, and
1: sisters. Yes. Yeah, sisters. Um,
0: what What do you want to achieve? What do you want to see and feel and experience
1: differently? It, it really goes back to. I actually do. Um, I have done a lot of work with women's groups as well over the years. And one of my uh, favorite I, I shouldn't have favorite clients, although I have one that's very near and dear to my heart. It's the uh, the Public Library Association here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And demographically speaking, you know, and, and what you think about as a librarian here in the states is is still pretty darn accurate, you know, demographics, of course, shift and such. Wonderful, wonderful client. And I remember um, the first project I did with them, it was all business people. They, you know, they didn't want librarians, they wanted business people. So they hired six of us and we were teaching business skills to librarians. And we kind of traveled all around the country to do that. I was the only male on staff. And so they called me the eye candy, which I thought was kind of funny. You know, <laughs> I'm like, hey, I'll take it. That's fine. but you the white teeth. To, totally the white teeth. <laughs> and I was a little younger then too. But it was funny because one of the conversations we had, or it, one of the topic you know, modules we had was about your know, personal branding, and we had this great conversation. And and they said, Steve, you need to do this. I'm like, why? They're like, because you're a male and for better, or for worse, right or wrong, it will resonate differently. If you're talking about, you know, the power of the brand and and what you have, I'm like, all right. And it was true. Sadly, it's true. And uh, there was just this different as a, as an ally for equality. My voice was heard a little bit differently. And it was kind of one of those moments where I was like, you know what? There's power in just getting the voice. This is like, power every woman already has. But sometimes when someone just whispers in your ear, you got this, you are powerful, you're awesome. And it's just like, you know what, you're right. And, it, and you can see it in people all the time. And that's kind of what I'm hoping with pride leadership happens is my gay brothers and sisters, they're awesome. They're rock stars. But maybe somebody just hasn't said you're a rock star and you got this and you can be powerful and awesome and make the world better. And so hopefully that's what happens here.
0: Oh, I'm loving this, and I think it's really important what you mentioned here. Yeah, you, know, you are a rock star. Believe in yourself. Yeah, and that's hard.
1: And, and, I, and I also feel too that th- there are many members of my particular community that they they've not heard that all their lives to this day. In the U.S., only 50 percent ish of people are actually out at work today, wow. 2021. Yeah. And I'm like, that's that's crazy to me. You talk about authenticity. Yeah, but you know, for whatever reason, and I respect that you. You come out when you do, but if we're not creating a workplace where people feel that they can be their authentic self, well, they're not giving their authentic self and they're not hundred percent of themselves. So I think there's, there's such opportunity for us to allow people to feel that value, that power that they have and support them as leaders within the workplace. And and of course, well beyond.
0: So first of all, for the listeners of the podcast, let's highlight those six
1: competencies again. So the six are, and they're in no particular order, of course, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's authenticity, courage, empathy, relationships, communication, and culture. So now you could say that these are universal
0: um, leadership competencies. (laughs) You see them in the straight community, hopefully a bit more nowadays, the female community, the LGBT, LGBTQ, and so on and so forth. What makes them specific to the LGBTQ
1: community? So what I put in Pride Leadership is that, you know, every leader really should focus on these. Anybody listening who wants to be a better leader, if you need a starting point, here's your six, pick one, You know, go for it. Yeah. But what I argue in my book is that because of experience, opportunity, uh, being a, a queer person lends you perhaps to have the ability to exercise these six competencies in, in a different way. So for example, I shared about authenticity. Well, if I'm, I'm a, a trans person in the workplace being my authentic self, wow, that's powerful stuff. And that also takes courage. So now we got number, the second one there. Mm-hmm. And what that also shows people in the workplace is, wow, you're being your authentic self, then you're authentic. And if you didn't take a step back and look at just general leadership research, being authentic is powerful leadership stuff, gets back to trust again. Having courage helps you, get things done, ask the right questions, build rapport with people, not be go with the status quo. Yes, that makes you a better leader. But I would argue that if I'm constantly outing myself at every client workshop I do, you know, you're beefing up a muscle, a courageous muscle, just like going to the gym and, and building that muscle every mm-hmm. time you do stuff. You know, empathy. Empathy is about us understanding, you know, obviously the emotions of ourselves, the emotions of others, emotional intelligence. But you know, as a queer person, I will never understand what it's like to be a person of color or a woman in a society, but you know what? I can have empathy because I, I have been gay bashed. I have been in a hospital because of who I am. So I can kind of get that at least a little bit more. And and that's kind of how how the, the book Pride Leadership works.
0: Let's talk about relationships in um, combination with communication in particular. Mm. You said, you know, they are not exclusive, those, com- yeah. uh, those, those competencies. So tell us a little bit more about those two before we head to culture.
1: So the first thing that pops in my head about, you know, effective communication, as well as building relationships is the concept of, of effective feedback. So when I'm a leader, there's going to be opportunities or there better be opportunities that I can share feedback. And, and by the way, if you're listening or watching, do a gut check. When I just, if someone comes up to you and says, I have feedback for you, what's your emotional response? Mm-hmm. It should be neutral or positive, really. Mm-hmm. But so many organizational cultures I play with, when someone has that phrase, oh, I have some feedback for you. Oh, no, what did I do wrong? That's not how feedback works. At least it shouldn't work that way. Yeah. So Pavlov, we're conditioning ourselves, and there's a whole story there. But if I'm building or want to build relationships, aka build trust, having that opportunity to share Feedback, both the, the feedback that's corrective or that you sh- that should be changed, you know, the negative feedback, and that stuff that you know what, hey, keep up the good work, nice job. That's really a rock star thing to do, yeah. and making it balanced. You know, those are great ways to not only just effectively communicate as a leader what you know, is or is good behavior, but it also allows you to build that trust and relationships with the person you're providing that feedback to.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think here we we've also got to talk about how to rephrase. Can I give you some feedback? Yep. Because our brain immediately goes into this fight or flight um, mm-hmm. response, right, that you just mentioned, instead of this excitement. Oh, yes, yeah, someone actually wants to take the time to share feedback with me. Yep. I think it's it's sometimes simply important to mm-hmm. rephrase it. Say, hey, just saw you giving the speech or presentation would love to share a few insights or observations with you. Do you have a moment? Shall we go for a coffee, you know, and let's talk about how it went just using some different styles there and in terms of communication.
1: And I think that's where we as leaders have the opportunity because words matter. Absolutely. Mm. And so we shape our culture I know we're getting to that, but we shape our, our workplace culture, our team culture by the words we pick and, and of course the actions that we take. So if I'm using the word feedback and I say, hey, I have some feedback for you, Kathleen, you did an awesome job. Well, what did I just do? I attach positivity with the word feedback. Yeah. And as we do that over and over again, again, Pavlov and con- the conditioning thing, mm. you know, we start to shape how people react to that.
0: Absolutely. And I want to share, if you don't mind, some experiences here. Yeah. Your book, just as some feedback for you, yes, please. made me think massively. And it made me reflect my previous experiences on some of my previous experiences. I've always worked, I started working when I was eighteen, and I've always mm. worked in environments where I had loads of gay colleagues and friends. And I learned a ton from them, in particular, how to be more authentic with myself. In one of my last roles, I worked with a lot of gay leaders, so white men in leadership roles from the gay community. And one thing that drove me nuts... And I'm going to be very honest here with the communication, their communication. Okay. And I tell you why. And, and I was very open with them about that. So that's not a secret. We often had to deal, obviously, with big topics, big projects that were very confidential. Mm-hmm. Sure. And there was hardly any situation where they could keep those confidential information to yeah. themselves because they have built such great relationships. They had yeah. so much heart they put into their teams, into their people. They acted with a lot of authenticity and empathy that they wanted to kind of keep the trust open. They wanted to build to keep building those communities and help the people that will go through challenging times ahead of time. Sure. And that's why they overcommunicated. It drove me bananas <laughs> at the time, but now, in hindsight, I was like, "Actually, let's reflect upon how it landed with the people around them, and mm-hmm. how they built trust, and how mm-hmm. it positively impacted the people around them." Yeah. And it completely shifted my view on leadership. Yeah. And your book made me think about it and reflect completely differently. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Thank you for the feedback. No, uh, 100%. So communication from a straight perspective, let's also reflect up on how other people communicate and what you see in the moment as maybe inappropriate and maybe not the right thing to do might actually in hindsight be the best thing they could have done.
1: And I, I think another thing when we talk about communication, fostering relationships, and also being a good ally for whoever is another, it's the concept of not engaging in silent collusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for those who don't know, silent collusion is when you're, you're in a space and someone says a disparaging remark, and, and true story to this, I was, I was in a meeting in Atlanta with a client. We were closing out the meeting. It's actually, this is in the book as well, for those who might have heard it. But it was like, there was like 40 people in the room, senior executive at the head of the table, who's male, and that's important to the story. And myself and one of my top doggers, Lori, uh, is with me, one of my consultants. And just as the meeting's about to start, the senior executive, and this is the person that literally was signing the checks to give to us, so like the big client, he says too loudly because the volume went down. He's like, Well, you know how all women drive. And everyone just kind of looked and turned their head toward him, but then said nothing. No one said anything. And at that moment in time, Every single one of us in the room was complicit in in the disparaging remark he said. So, so we were engaging what was called silent collusion. Mm. And I have seen so many amazing, empathetic, heartfelt leaders accidentally or or for whatever reason, whether it be the courage thing back there or what, engage in silent collusion, and you immediately erode your street cred, your trust level, because you know if you're not defending any of the others, you know, at, at, in this case, uh, obviously women. People are always watching and looking at you as a leader and making those evaluations. Like, wow, Steve didn't say anything. Well, what mm-hmm. if? What if it's then my my group that's getting disparaged? He's going yeah. to defend me, and so you know, boom. You just lost some street cred, some some you know, leadership competence or or capital, if you will. So Hmm. I talk about way in the book, uh, ways to not engage in silent collusion, because that's, that's a great way to one, be an ally two to foster a more inclusive environment and three, to build trust with those who um, are are watching your, your movements at that point.
0: Yeah. And it shows courage right away. I speak up regardless the level of leaders in terms of hierarchies that I have sitting around me here.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Last but not least,
1: culture. Yes. Now, culture, for me, I try to frame it through um, how can we as leaders create a a culture of inclusivity, a a consciously inclusive culture. And I, I specifically use that phrase because... People say, oh, unconscious bias, I can't do anything about it. Well, that's shenanigans. Yes, you can. You just have to consciously work at it. And so as leaders, we have the opportunity to create that inclusive culture by a whole bunch of ways that we can shape the the bigger culture, whether that be including people into those meetings. Uh, whether that be looking at the language we're using, the forms we have, you know, all those different ways that, that people feel that they either have a sense of belonging or that there's a, a sense of exclusion. And I think uh, if, if we're trying to foster that sense of belonging, we need to create a, a workplace culture where people do feel that their voices matter. They do see themselves in the marketing materials, or on the website, or, or I'm filling out an HR form, and, and it's not just you know gender binary, it, it includes others, uh, or, or different ways to, to look at the concept of gender. And so that's the great opportunity we have as leaders, is to shape that culture for those around us.
0: That leads us so nicely to another question I have for you. So I'm focused in my business, highly on female leaders, as mentioned, you are the gay leadership dude. Um, and in the end isn't it about inclusion isn't it about building organizations and lives where we learn from each other with each other where we see those great competencies and consciously make an effort to take those on board and to kind of yeah enhance and build our leadership skills together so how can we do that
1: so one of the things that that my not so hidden agenda with all of this stuff that I'm doing is to make the world full of consciously inclusive leaders. And and so yes, I'm starting in in with the the pride leadership, the queer community, but it goes well beyond. Uh, chapter three of, of pride leadership is about being consciously inclusive, and and so it's how any of us can do that. And a lot of my signature talks, my keynotes, all those things that's that's the focus. And and what's great is well, I guess sad and great. I was finally launching my keynote kind of revenue stream for 2020. Wah, wah, wah. So um, you know, those didn't happen. However, uh, using this cool technology and stuff, I turned them all into virtuals and it's so much more fun mm. for me because I can do them in my shorts because I live in Florida, but I can also meet a lot more people um, yeah. and, and hit a lot more ears. And it's been such a great experience. I totally love it. And, and that's the whole point. I mean, all of this is about how do we make everybody feel a sense of belonging and include everyone regardless of insert demographic here.
0: Absolutely, loving it. So, I want to invite everyone really to pay more conscious attention to your levels of inclusion. Yeah. Do you see and appreciate the differences that others show, or may you be? I used to be like that, quite judgmental early on. I said it to my other half the other day. Um, he runs his own business as well, and I said, he, when he when he talks about certain challenges in his business and so on, I said, you come across quite judgmental very quickly. <laughs> He knows I, I'm in my German way, sometimes very direct, right? Um, he said, yeah, I was thinking about that. I wasn't sure if I was. And I'm like, yeah, lately I noticed that. Where does it come from? So let's have people around us. If we don't notice it, who notices it? Yeah. So that we can make this conscious effort.
1: Absolutely. That's
0: really what's needed so that it becomes a part of our DNA. And we don't mm-hmm. need the inclusion and diversity directors in businesses. It comes from our Absolutely. inner self.
1: Yep. And that's really the key thousand percent agree. And and that's where, you know, one of the strategies I put in the book for all the ways to beef up your six competencies, to be more consciously inclusive, who's that work wife or husband or BFF that you have, yeah. who you can say, Hey, I'm trying to be more inclusive. Can you just like be that eyes and ears for me and, and let me know, high sign it, whatever that, you know, maybe I could do things better or, or differently. And and what I'm loving too, is when you start to create or, or, or you really leverage uh, workplace cultures where where feedback is know, or feedback rich culture and this kind of calling things out in a very positive neutral the spirit of we just want to be better way mm-hmm. that's gold that's that's the workplace everybody's striving to mm-hmm. work for so what can we do right now to kind of make it so within our workplace
0: yeah and obviously now leadership is being discussed and thought about more than ever, so so if something good came uh, out of the pandemic, and yeah. leadership really and reflections upon leadership. So where do you see the big opportunities that lie ahead of us, or we may be in the
1: middle of those? I, I think it's it's a combination of, of you know the Black Lives Matter, Matter. movement mm-hmm. and you know all the horrific things that came to light last summer yeah. with the pandemic layered on top of that and the technology thing kind of like in that mix and mm-hmm. kind of we we shook that up and I think. Um, and I'm a glass half full kind of guy. So I'll say that you know, the, the two blessings that I'm seeing out of this are we are focusing on the concept of diversity and inclusion and belonging better than we have before, mm-hmm. especially toward our black and brown brothers and sisters. So I'm so okay with that. And it's also forcing leaders to think about what is it that they're doing, they're saying they're leading and the rest of the business or workplace is doing to either support or not support that type of inclusion and and yeah. I'm I'm excited about that and then you throw in technology where we can reach a lot of different people we, we can we get these little tiny zoom windows into people's authentic homes and themselves and and I think that's fantastic you know I love when I see a, a colleague's cat walk by I'm like mm-hmm. hey there's a cat that's cool or or a kid comes in like mom I need something I I think that's awesome and I think that we can humanize the workplace a little bit better um by and and have a little bit more empathy on what's going on besides the cubicle or the office or whatever that we see and 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 remember that post covid whatever post COVID means
0: i'm loving this humanize our organizations because it's one life right it's not just us at work and us at home we live one life and it consists of different facets so wonderful thank you so so much (gasps) Let people know where they can find you, where they can find out more about you and your book as well.
1: Yeah, so the the best starting spot is um, topdoglearning.biz. B I Z. You'll head to that's our main hub. You'll see all of our online classes. There's stuff about the book, the audiobook, all that good stuff. If you're looking for just the book, and, and depending on where you live, if you go to steveonamazon.com, on Amazon.com, um, I. Believe it or not, that was available. It's my my gorgeous publisher. She's so good at marketing. She's that was like the first thing I did to get when you know I started writing the book. She's like, grab, grab that URL. You can redirect it wherever you want. So that'll redirect you to the right Amazon page if you want to explore uh, Pride. Leader, double double award winning for now. Uh, Pride leadership.
0: Wow, amazing! And I've never experienced anyone else being so well prepared in this digital <laughs> space as you are here. Amazing. <laughs>
1: it's, like, it's like it's my doctorate or something. That's weird.
0: <laughs> and I can highly recommend the book it's really not just for the lgbtq community it's for everyone and it is really wonderfully exploring leadership from different angles and very honest about the research that's there and that's missing still um so if you want like me Think a little bit more about leadership, and also kind of provoke yourself and your thinking a little bit. Then this book is clearly for you. So just get
1: it. Really. Thank you, Kathleen. If I can, if I can, kind of tell a very, very quick story about that. Please. Um, so, so the audiobook just came out, pun intended, queer leadership book. This past year, it's actually during during COVID. And so the hardback came out um, a year before. So the idea was that the one year anniversary is when the audiobook should come out. So I was working with my producer, audiobook producer. And the first question was, you know, do you hire somebody or do you do it yourself? And they're like, well, you can go either way. I said, well, if I talk about authenticity, I kind of have to do it. I mean, that's disingenuous if I don't. They're like, you're yeah. right. So then we, we started going down the path and and we just couldn't get good audio. And and so they said, okay, we well, have two choices. You can either record it on your own in a studio, which is like $10,000, I'm like, uh, no. Uh, they're like, or you can find the quietest place in your house and record your book. And then we'll just, we'll tweak it up and you know, there you go. And so of course the quietest place in my house is, is my walk-in closet. So my gay leadership book was read in the closet which I just think is pretty funny. <laughs>
0: I don't know how to react if I'm just chalice a chalice of your walk-in closet, <laughs> or <laughs> it's just it's too not- funny that you recorded the book. That
1: <laughs> it's not a glamorous closet. Trust me, I had a dog bed over my head to muffle the sound, and you know it was, and there's not air conditioning, and this was like you know, last spring in Florida, so it's not glamorous, but it was fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it sounds highly professional. So well done. Very, very. <laughs> Hey, Steve, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all your insights and your authenticity. Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much. It was great.
0: Thanks, everyone, for listening to this show. I I can only imagine that you are taking a lot of learnings, insights, and hopefully a lot of inspiration with you. Let's not leave it just in your heads what you have heard here today. Let's live it. Let's bring it into organizations, into our lives, into our personal lives in particular as well, and really practice what you have heard here. Just take one key point away. That would be my invitation to you. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a wonderful week. Take it of yourselves and I'll speak to you very soon bye thank you so much for listening to the legendary leaders podcast if you enjoyed this episode then remember to subscribe to the show either on itunes spotify amazon music or on my website www.kathleenmerkel.com I would also love to hear from you to discover what topics you'd like to hear more about what topics really resonated with you and how you're enjoying the show in general Please do leave your review on iTunes as well. It would mean the world to me. Thank you so much and speak to you again next time. Bye.